from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Which made it um, really painful to recover from, you know, a metal rod being screwed into my tibia. Yes! (laughs) Every time we play a game, she rips the head off a stuffed Dalmatian. What is the narrator going to do? Is she going to confront her mother? Is she going to skate again? This toughness is a crutch, and this toughness causes you a lot of pain. Yes. It's a weird paradox, you know. Has she read this book? As far as I know, no. I'm Sarah Fenske. Gabe Montesanti moved to St. Louis at 22 to enroll in Washington University's MFA program. But she found much more in the Gateway City than a master's degree. She also found roller derby. And that intense, sometimes brutal sport provided her with both a community and a great subject for her debut book. That book is called Brace for Impact, a memoir. Gabe Montesanti's book launch takes place this Thursday at Dot Zach, and she joins us today to tell us more about it. Gabe, welcome. Thank you for having me. So, Gabe, I really enjoyed this book, and I think a lot of people in this city are going to enjoy this book. It's so St. Louis. Yes. So you open your book at the St. Louis Stadium. Mm-hmm. This is in the city's Patch neighborhood. And this was your very first time in mm-hmm. South City. Yes. What took you to the Stadium? So um, I, when I was living in Bowling Green with my girlfriend, um, this woman approached me at a coffee shop and she told me, um, you know, you look like the kind of person who could play roller derby. And I was so flattered, you know. Um, and I looked it up as soon as we moved here. The first day I had internet, I looked up St. Louis roller derby teams. And that led me to recruit night at Arch Rival Roller Derby down in South City. So it was our first time exploring the city. You know, we we followed the drainage channel all the way to the to the rink, and um, you know, I was scared. My my girlfriend was with me, Kelly, um, but we we didn't know what we were getting into. We found a whole world. It was like the universe just opened up for me. And this world, in in so many ways, was a wonderful world. But the stadium itself yes. is possibly my favorite thing about this book. And there's a lot I loved in this book, but this place seems kind of insane. It's ridiculous. I recently looked up one star reviews on Google, and they had me just on the floor. I was I was dying because they're so accurate, you know. Um, Yeah, you would think that such a highly ranked roller derby team would have a really nice facility to train in, but that is not the case in St. Louis. Um, so, yeah, it becomes kind of a character in it, of itself in the book. Um, yeah, I mean, it's this real rundown rink, and not to give away too much, but there's actually some people who've taken up residence in the locker room. I mm-hmm. mean, the sense is basically they're homeless, yes. and this has ended up becoming where they live. Yes. And so your roller derby team, um, you guys are just working around them, yes. kind of making this work. Exactly. <laughs> so this is a, it's kind of a rough environment, and at the same time, this team is really good. Yes. Yeah. When I joined, they were number eight in the world out of, uh, you know, over 300 teams nationwide, worldwide. Um, And uh, when I was drafted onto the All-Stars, we were number three in the world. Wow. Yeah. 
And so this team is really good. And at the point that you show up, all that you're going on is that someone told you in a coffee shop that yes. you look like you might apply this. <laughs> Do you even know what she meant by that? No, I don't. I mean, she told me um, I had a kind of scrappiness, which I kind of associate with the sport in general. Yeah. But, you know, she was openly queer in a very conservative area. And um, I thought that was very brave. You know, yeah. um, I was coming to terms with my own queer identity and really just um, I was inspired by her. So I really I needed her encouragement and support early on. And my dream is that she'll hear an interview or a podcast or something just and say, wow, maybe that was me in Toledo, you know. <laughs> yeah, that she launched you on this journey. Mm-hmm. So you at this point had not roller skated since you were a kid. Exactly. And this, it becomes clear in the book, this is not as simple as strapping on skates and kind of figuring out how to skate. This is a full contact sport. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I hadn't skated since I was nine years old. Um, I swam competitively up through college um, from nine years old to through college, um, a D3 school in Michigan. And I could not skate backwards. I could not take hits. I could not jump six inches like I was supposed to. There were so many skills that I didn't yet have. Um, But I had a lot of faith in the people who were on the team to sort of take me under their wing and train me. And you worked really hard. Yes. (laughs) I mean, you're so clear in this book. And it strikes me that you're probably more of a natural athlete than you fully let on. (laughs) But what really you have going for you is that you're working so hard. Yes. And in this book, it becomes clear that's maybe not always a good thing for you. Exactly. Yeah, it veers into a bit of an obsession. Um, And yeah, it just sort of echoed the way that I was raised, which was to tough it out and to endure the pain and to embrace the pain versus really just being still and letting yourself kind of relax. You know, know, self-kindness and self-compassion wasn't really existent for me up until this moment. So um, yeah, I fit right in with the the team environment. Yeah, this ends up being this wonderful source of community. How would you describe uh, the roller derby players that, that you've gotten to know? I oh mean, my goodness. Yeah. They're they're just characters. They're all characters. I mean, Brick Tater, you know, her her name rhymes with dictator and that's who she is on the team. She's the mom. She's the the one that everyone looks to for the most support and encouragement. And then we have like Cruella Belleville who's lives in Belleville and um, she calls it Bell Vegas. <laughs> and um, <laughs> she every time uh, we play a game, she rips the head off a stuffed Dalmatian. And um, you can just see the look of terror in kids' eyes, you know, and she she loves it. I mean, there's so um, much theater involved yes. in this. It's almost like pro wrestling, even though it's not staged. Mm-hmm. The, the victor is in doubt for these matches, but you guys are really showing off. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, people have differing opinions, you know, and people. some people would be mad that you just said that, you know. Oops, I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> no, to the okay. roller derby players. <laughs> it does take a lot of um, athleticism and professionalism and, um, yeah, the bouts are not scripted. They're mm-hmm. very much real. Um, so, yeah, we're in a bit of a... Um, I don't know, a transition in the in the sports history right now. Like, do we want to try for the Olympics? Do we want to be taken seriously? Mm. But also we want to honor the sports history, which is very campy and um, playful. You There's know? these great costumes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And these nicknames. Mm-hmm. So you have this great quote. I want to read this because I feel like this kind of explains what roller derby is like. Um 
you say uh, that, you know, you told Taryn, yes, you realized it was true. My first roller derby bout was fun like handheld firecrackers are fun. Fun like jumping off a swing when it's at the highest point is fun. A heady mix of adrenaline, exhilaration, and potential danger. Yes. (laughs) I mean, this describes this sport to a T. Yeah, it's dangerous. I mean, they, they told me right away, it's not if, it's when you get hurt. You know, and that's part of my journey. That's part of a lot of people's journeys. Um, just the danger that's associated with a full contact sport on roller skates. Um, yeah, there's there's just as many injuries as you think there would be. But it takes a special kind of person, I think, to really embrace that and embrace the risk um, and realize for a lot of us, it's worth the risk. It's worth taking the risk. So the injury, um, a very serious injury that you suffer is mm-hmm. a, a big part of this book. And it really brings your relationship with your mom into mm-hmm. high relief. Throughout this book, you're writing a lot about your mom, but it's all sort of like distant phone calls and memories. And then when you get hurt, your mom comes back. She's Mm -hmm. in St. Louis, and this is really hard for you to deal with. She kind of warned you away from roller derby. She did. She um, kind of asked me what I thought I was doing. You know, it's it's a really dangerous thing. And she had suffered a pretty bad roller skating injury um, when she was my age, when she was in her early 20s. And um, yeah, she had a lot of trepidation for me and a lot of fear, which made sense. Um, But yeah, the way I structured the book sort of was weaving in the childhood memories in the first half um, based on the main thread, which was, you know, pursuing the sport and and really going after it. And then when my mom comes to St. Louis, things kind of come to a head Mm -hmm. and – the past and the present meet up in kind of an unexpected way. Yeah. I mean, it's almost cinematic how all this comes together. But you live this. And it's not always easy to live these cinematic things. A a big source of the tension in your relationship with your mom Mm -hmm. was your sexuality. Yes. Yeah. um, You know, she – I always thought that my family was very liberal. um, But – it turned out not to be the case for me. You know, they they both my parents took it really, really hard um, when I told them that I was dating a woman. And um, yeah, it was a pretty explosive and disastrous coming out that I wasn't expecting at all. You know, I was not braced for impact, which is sort of what the title kind of comes from, along with just the physical things that you do at a roller derby game to get ready for impact, you know, widen your stance and um tighten your core. Um, I wasn't ready for for that reaction from my parents. Um, And it was really hard for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I write a lot about that and the pain associated with that in the book. And it's clear that your mom is, is part of what made you a big part of what made you so tough. Yes. And that's what makes you so good at this sport. But at the same time, there's a real flip side to that, Mm -hmm. that this toughness um, is a crutch. And this toughness causes you a lot of pain. Yes. Yeah, it's it's a weird paradox, you know. Um, but that was how I, re- I was raised. There's a chapter in the book, um, not to give too much away, but my sister um, gets impaled by the wire rim of a sombrero hat. She threw it up in the air and the wire just pierced her hand. And, um, you know, my family... We didn't really know what to do. We were just kind of stunned, and we didn't go to the ER for several hours, and my sister just had this hat stuck in her hand, and there was blood spewing, and it was just chaos. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, the way I was raised was just to tough it out, really. Like, do do you know, it's why I didn't take an ambulance to the ER. I was going to say, there's such echoes of this incident with the hat pin in your sister. Mm -hmm. Then you have this catastrophic injury at a roller derby practice. Yes. Just randomly happens Mm -hmm. out of the blue. 
And you're like, don't call an ambulance. Yes. You're trying so hard not to overreact. Mm-hmm. And it becomes clear this was a situation where you needed to react. You needed yes. to overreact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that scene, um, I mean, I've, I've edited it thousands of times, and it's still I can still feel the pain. But um, we splinted it with um, a pizza box that we found in the, in the dumpster outside the stadium. And um, I was rolled to my car in the back of a, a, a little office chair that someone found, like, in the, you know, storage facility of the stadium. And this, this was just protocol. You know, this is what so many other roller derby athletes did before me. Um, we know, like, whip out the chair when someone gets hurt. And um, so, yeah, it was a weird way that playing roller derby really echoed my upbringing. Um, and that was what I was interested in exploring in the book. And that's, I think, what gives this book a unique perspective. We're talking today to Gabe Montesanti. She's a roller derby player. Uh, her debut memoir is Brace for Impact. She has her book launched this Thursday here in St. Louis. Uh, you can go to that at .zach. We have all the details on our website, stlonair.show. Gabe, there's sort of two big questions that end up looming as this, this very bad injury happens. I think the reader's wondering, are you going to be okay? Will you ever skate again? But the bigger question, I think, becomes, are you going to confront your mom. Mm-hmm. And so your mom comes to St. Louis and she's kind of doing the same thing that she's always done. She's telling you like, oh, you're tough. Mm-hmm. You can deal with this. You can go off the painkillers. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of pushback. Right. Yeah. I mean, she, yeah, it became medically necessary for me to discontinue the opioids, which made it um, really painful to recover from, you know, a metal rod being screwed into my tibia. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it kind of echoed something that happened to me as a kid, which was um, two foot surgeries that I went through. Um, and I wrote a lot about recovering from that without any painkillers as well. Um, I think just because of my age or or something happened where I didn't have any medicine. Um, and we also didn't have a wheelchair. My mom pulled me around in the back of a red wagon. Um, and that's one of my earliest, you know, distinct 10, 11-year-old 10, memories was just being pulled around town in this wagon with my feet bandaged up and sticking out the sides. Um, so, yeah, um, it definitely, there's echoes of that, you know, the healing from that incident. And then, yeah, it becomes, you know, what is the narrator going to do? Is she going to skate again? Is she going to confront her mother? And um, it's sort of a slow burn, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of accepting that, um, you know, it's just very complicated. And those those family relationships can be so hurtful and and also endearing and and painful. Um, But yeah, I think those get answered by the end of the book. Yeah. And and what's interesting is I think in some ways your mom is the villain in this book. But in other ways, you also leave us with some understanding of her. You know, you brought up the wagon incident. And, you know, at one point you're asking her, why didn't you just get a wheelchair? And and she kind of admits she just didn't know what she was doing. Mm -hmm. I think every mom could in some ways identify with that. There's maybe some forgiveness in you including that moment in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I tried to write this with as much compassion for my mom as I as I could have because I do like honestly have a lot of compassion for her and what she what she went through and how she raised us and um yeah, I wanted it to just be a very straightforward um factual sort of memoir where I just I just laid the facts out of, you know, what happened in my childhood and um but also gave her the benefit of the doubt in several instances. Mm. Um yeah, because in some ways she was she was really wonderful, but in other ways she was really harmful. 
So this incident sort of forces you to confront so much. And I don't want to give away where this book goes. I want people to experience it the way that I was able to experience it. Um, But I think it's safe to say it brings you to a place where you're able to be comfortable being who you are, something that so much through this book, you're this tough person and this talented athlete, and you're really apologizing for so much Mm -hmm. about yourself. Do you feel like it almost took that accident to shake you to your core, make you comfortable being Joan of Spark? Yes. Joan of Spark is my derby name. And I really sort of embody who she is by the end of the book, you know. Um, And I was just talking to my roller derby mom the other day. It's sort of like in drag, you know, you have you have roller derby families. Um, My roller derby mom is a big part of this book. And and it was raining and I was returning to practice for the first time. And uh, the stadium was wet, just like the day that I broke my leg. And she said, what does this remind you of? And (laughs) yeah, um, but we were we were just talking about nothing would have happened, I think, if I hadn't gotten injured the way I did. Mm -hmm. And I think that really was the impetus for so much, um, just everything coming to the surface, you know? Um, And for this ending up becoming a book. Yes. So you're in the MFA program. You obviously knew that you wanted to write. When did you realize, okay, this hobby I've taken on that's become a consuming passion, yes. this is also my book? Yeah, it, it that was also a gradual sort of understanding. And when I broke myself, I thought the book was over. You know, I was like, I can't participate in this anymore. Um, and at that time, I was all in, um, taking notes after every practice, you know, um, uh, a visiting assistant professor came to the program at WashU, George Hodgman, and he. I wrote about the stadium for this essay, and he looked at me and he said, "You have a goddamn book here, you know." And um, yeah, he he just he looked at me and and he really believed in me, and that felt so amazing. Um, yeah, I think that's really the moment where I I believed it myself was hearing it from him. And so he said that, but you thought the book was lost when you get this injury. This injury actually ended up leading to everything that unfolds in this yes. book. Do you feel in some way almost grateful for this terrible, horrible thing that happened I to do. you? Yeah, I think I I think it was fate, you know. I don't know what I believe exactly, but I I, I know that that day was supposed to happen the way it did. Hmm. So I have to ask your mom, has she read this book? Um, as far as I know, no. Um, we're, we're sort of, our relationship is in flux quite a bit. Um, but so I haven't heard from her in quite a while, but she does know it exists. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where we're at right now. And you're okay with the fact that it's okay if she doesn't read this book. Yeah. You know, I think I've heard a lot of memoirists say, I mean, Melissa Phoebos has said that, you know, her books, um, there's more information in her books than her mother would ever need to read about her, you know, and I feel the same way about about my book. Um, yeah, so I would be perfectly fine if she never read it, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not. So this is such a good read. Again, this book is called Brace for Impact, a memoir. Um, just in our final minute here, what would you want to leave people with as they're thinking about your story and, and everything we talked about today, about roller derby, about your sexuality, about your mom? Mm-hmm. I think what I hope to leave is a note of empowerment, you know, and resilience. And that's what I really want people to take away from the book, um, because there are lots of traumatic memories um, associated with it. And, you know, the readers will get to hear about my lowest lows, but they'll also see the highest highs. Um, And that really, I think, 
I just I just hope that it inspires people. And I think that if I had had a book like this when I was coming out and coming into terms with myself, I would have been much better off. So I hope I can do that for someone. I wonder if you're going to see a flood of, of young girls coming to check out the Skadium I after so. this. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not necessarily the Skadium, but I hope people um, are interested in roller derby. For sure. I think you make a great advertisement for that sport. Well, Gabe Montesanti, I want to thank you so much for joining us thank today. Thank you. And congratulations on this launch. Thank you so much for talking with me. Today's episode was produced by Sarah Fenske with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dore. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.